Hello, you're very welcome to episode 28, season 2 of the Two Hands on a Hurl podcast. I'm your host, uh, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? Good, thanks. And yourself, Robbie? Uh, sure. Just, uh, I'm a ginger, so I'm trying to you know, survive uh, the sun. It's fun for everybody else, but I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to survive. It's a daily survival exercise for me, to be honest. <laughs> I know I won't lie to you. I'm not, I don't have ginger hair, but I'm like a slow roasted chicken here over the past couple of days. Kind of nice yeah, r- brown. Rotisserie but, chicken. Yeah, kind of nice brown, but very sore. So <laughs> At least you go a bit brown. I just I either put on so much sunscreen that nothing happens or I turn into a tomato. So I don't know which one is better or which one is worse there, but... Yeah, I won't lie. I never, hardly ever use sunscreen now. I know I will have to, but it um, actually reminds me. Do I remember that song? Is it uh, called The Graduation Song? Or, or a sunscreen like song. A sunscreen song, yeah, sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. I think when we have it for another week or that, we'd be all definitely going around as tomatoes if we didn't put on sunscreen anyway. Yeah, 100%. Well, from Red Hosh uh, Sunshine to Red Hosh uh, Championship Action, uh, super weekend of hurling, and kind of football kind of showed a bit of kind of drama as well. Um, we'll start with the hurling first. Um, so we'll kind of do a recap of the weekend's action, and then we'll go into the fixtures that were just announced for next weekend. So I suppose we, we have to kind of get this one out of the way, TJ. Uh, Kilkenny, um, Lancer champions again. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks a million. I know, yeah, you be, you be happy now. Um, an awful lot of people were writing off Kilkenny, but fair play, and including myself, I would have questioned whether it was the right decision for Brian Cody to stay on. But I mean, the way this year's after going and with the change in style and all of that, I mean, it's it's definitely proven to be the right decision, and I'm delighted to be, um, eating humble pie on that because, um. But in saying that, Dublin didn't have the ideal uh, preparation going into it either. They were missing, what, about five players. Uh, there were one COVID case and three three uh, close contacts in that. So, I mean, it, that was only announced on Saturday morning as well. So that would have disrupted the Dublin preparations, no matter what anyone says. But, um, yeah, no, if, as a Kilkenny supporter, you have to be happy and straight through to the semifinals. So... Um, looking at the draw there today, which we'll be discussing in a minute, and then you have Tipperary and Dublin going into the qualifiers as well. Um, there'll be some interesting ties there, but be quietly confident we could maybe get over the semi final this year. Yeah, and uh, that's a kind of a bit of an advantage. Um, maybe having a few weeks off and they can prep, they can kind of watch the other teams playing. Uh, so, what did you think of the kind of overall kind of game? Fairly comfortable for Kilkenny. Dublin got close there. It was like nine points nine points all. And then if you had blinked, you, it was Kilkenny were back three points ahead. And then they kind of never really looked back from there. So I don't, I don't probably think that Kilkenny played particularly well, if I'm honest. Um, they could play a lot better, I think, which is it's a good sign for Kilkenny. They, ha- they have a lot of room to improve. But uh, overall, what did you think of uh, Dublin and Kilkenny's performance on the day? It was, I won't lie to you, it was a poor enough first half. Um, now, Kilkenny got scores um, towards the end of the first half that kind of edged them three points ahead. And to be fair, you'd be kind of saying, well, was it thoroughly deserved? But 
it seems to be a different scenario this year because if you look at last year, Kilkenny were leading be what fifteen to twenty points, something around that against Dublin, and Dublin came back and Kilkenny were very lucky to emerge one point winners. And then you look at semi-final against Watford, Kilkenny had a comprehensive lead again in the first half and faded away in the second half. So whether it's a situation that was, after reviewing those games, Kilkenny said, here, we just try and kind of stick in the game in the first half and then we prove our fitness in the second half. And kind of judging by the past two performances, Kilkenny has finished the stronger. Now, I know I can't think of his name now. There's a new strength and conditioning coach went in there last year. And Mickey Comfort. Mickey Comfort. Sorry, I couldn't think of it. And, I mean, he's highly rated. Eddie Brennan, I think, wanted to bring him to leash as well. And um, he's really highly sought after. So, I mean, maybe it's a situation that after another year under Mickey Comfort, that they're just after getting fitter. But maybe a situation that they reviewed the tapes from last year and say here, we're going to try and finish stronger in games than we did last year. And um, it kind of bodes well, but overall it was kind of a, yeah, I'd agree with you. It wasn't an outstanding performance, but it's a win's a win. And that's that's the main thing. Some of the young lads stepping up, um, Mossy Keown and Adrian Mullen, uh, Dara Corcoran, Hugh Lawler was outstanding uh, in full back. Um, so... Yeah, I know you have to be happy and you'd be quietly confident that we won't be that far off in All-Ireland. Um, maybe it might be a bit soon this year, but definitely in the next couple of years, i say we'd be claiming back to Liam McCarthy anyway. What did you make of the Davy Derby, Claire Wexford? Um, also, further on to that point, now that Wexford are out, do you think uh, Wexford will be thinking about moving on from, from uh, Davy Fitz? Yeah, I mean... If looking at it as a neutral, I know if it was if I was a Wexford supporter, I say it'd be time that Davy moved on. I mean, it was terrific that they got the Leinster title when they did a couple of years ago. Um, they were very unlucky against Tipperary and Dollar in semi final the same year. They had a lead and relinquished it, but. It seems to be a feature, especially this year, a bit last year, but more so this year, that it's instead of the Wexford players themselves, it's always the Davy factor there. Um, all the, now, players could say that they like the focus taken away from them, but there's undue attention being drawn to him as well through Davy. So even though I met Davy a couple of times, he seems a really nice person and all that, away from the field. I think it's time, if it was Wexford, i say cut ties, be very grateful for, for what was done, but see if they can bring someone in. It, like the, the dangerous thing is when you're there for a number of years. I saw it myself when I was with teams. If you're there for too long, things can get stale, and the progress that you're after making over the, say, first one or two years could be kind of ruined because things get stale. You have to blend up. So maybe it's a situation after the work Davy done there, they bring in someone else and they may be able to get over the line then. But um, yeah, this argument that's going on between Brian Lone and himself, being honest, I think Brian Lone won it hands down because it's the results that count, the scoreboard, score on the scoreboard that counts. So um, 
and Brian Lone has the advantage there over the past two years. Yeah, fair point. He kind of knocked them out the last two years. Um, what other count do you think would be a good fit for Davy Fitz if he's to go on from from Wexford? He's kind of he's kind of moving through the hurling world. So there's not many left, if you know what I mean. He hasn't managed already. So where could you see him ending up after finishing up in Wexford potentially? Uh, I'm trying to think of the road. It'd be them seven. Claire, you go into Limerick. I say he'd be heading up them seven, Robbie. Um, yeah. I say. Could it be a double manager in a few years, maybe? I think so. I I honestly think so. I mean, if, like, Matty Kenny's after doing great work with Dublin, but if they don't get through, say, it's the qualifier and then it's, yeah, the qualifier, sorry, then the quarterfinals, sorry. Um, if they don't get over the qualifier, um, you might see. Or no, sorry, they're sorry. Dublin are in the quarterfinals. Sorry, the the drop yeah. smart was for the qualifiers. Sorry, mixing it up completely. Um, if they don't get over that, you might see Matty Kenny stepping aside and Davy Fitz if he becomes available. It'd be kind of a glamour tie, but a glamour name. But another one there actually, and not going off topic. Eddie Brennan training cool as well. Um, maybe. He could be another yeah, high-profile name there, but going back to what you're saying, if he was going to management again, I say it would be it would be Dublin. It definitely wouldn't be clear with everything that's going on in the background there, anyway. And uh, the second qualifier was uh, Wadford Leash, and uh, Chatter Plunkish persisted with his woolly hat on the yeah. 20, <laughs> 27 degrees in Nolan Park, which was uh, a bit crazy. But uh, he he's obviously a man; he, he sticks to his style. Um, Waterford were kind of tipping along nicely, and then Leash came back strong, got a, got ahead in the game, and then I don't know what happened. If just kind of getting ahead of uh, Waterford, they kind of almost burnt themselves out, and then Waterford were able to get a couple of goals and finish them off there. But a really strong show from Leash there, and um, another playing Westmead in relegation or in um, it's like a Division One uh, relegation sort of playoff next week for the league. So Cheddar was saying it's a very important game for them to stay up in Division One. Um, great, great stuff being done on leash as you as you mentioned by Eddie Brennan and previously to Cheddar and Cheddar. Cheddar seems to be, to be bringing them on. I know they had a bad defeat against Wexford, but overall, obviously, it will depend on the, the match next week. But overall, at this point, you'd have to say it's a fairly uh, successful year for Leash. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, no matter what, they had a disappointing league opening round against Wexford. It was a comprehensive defeat, but. I mean, when you have a new management team going in, even though uh, Cheddar Plunkett would have been there before, it's still he's trying to implement a new system. He'd have a new management team around him as well, but it's highly experienced. Michael Welch, Kilkenny's gone in there as well with him um, advising in the background. So, I mean, it's you, you can't question Cheddar Plunkett's commitment. Honestly, I mean... Yeah, he was with James Stevens last year and they ran Ballyhill very close in the championship and had a good good campaign the year before as well. So, I mean, he's a really experienced coach. And, I mean, there was an awful lot of um, bullshit went on um, with uh, with Eddie Brennan and the Leash County Board. And to be honest, I would have to side with Eddie Brennan there because the... Um, there was a football manager there as well, John Sugru, a Kerry. He managed to carry under 21s, but he's based in Port Leach. He's actually in the backroom team as physio with um, Cheddar Plunkett as well. 
but um, there was a bit of kind of messing went on there as well. So um, fair play to Chandler Plunkett. And yeah, it's it's vitally important that to get to win over Westmead. Like when the Joe McDonough Cup, even though it's a kind of the lower down competition, you saw what Leash done after winning it. They went on and defeated Dublin and made a good account of themselves <laughs> against Tipperary in the quarterfinals as well. So um, with me coming in on a high after winning the Joe McDonough and Leash on a high after defeating Antrim and running Watford close, it's going to be a ding dong battle. Um, if it's a neutral venue. I, I say it would maybe tell them more that you might give Leash a slight advantage there, but it's a really hard one to call. But overall, a good year, a good finish to the year for Leash. And we move on to the Munster final. Um, quick question: Was the the period between halftime, the or the second half, the opening quarter, of the second half, was that the best performance from a hurling team you've ever seen from Limerick, or? Do, yeah, do you reckon it's uh, up there? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's one caveat on it that Aaron Galland should have been shown a red card. To be fair, it's a striking offence. Once you strike at all, it's a red card. Um, and you don't know what way that, what outcome that could have happened. But in saying that, hats off to Limerick. I questioned their bottle at the start of the year and they proved, proved me wrong again. And I'm glad to admit I was wrong because... Um, the last time Limerick were all earned champions a couple of years ago they suffered with second season syndrome and the first half yesterday it looked like it could be the same again but um, I mean the question marks about the Tipperary management should they make changes more sooner because when they made the substitutions um, you could see a difference but it was just too late and I mean, when you go from what what were Tipperary about ten or eleven points up, or maybe twelve, I I forget. But it was I mean, ten and a half time, and then it went to eleven, and then eleven from there they got to two points ahead at the water break. Yeah, so I mean, you eleven eleven points up, you you'd be making, especially with the heat was there. You you can say no matter what that. Um, you, they're nearly semi-professional athletes, but I mean, in the heat that's out there, you need to be you need to be freshening things up. And um, if Tipperary were looking back on it, at it, they could say they should have made changes quicker. But that doesn't take away from a phenomenal performance by Limerick. Honestly, it was mouthwatering. And uh, I won't lie, I was kind of saying to myself, I would like face Limerick in the semi-final with Kilkenny if Tipperary won yesterday, but. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather leave it to a final now if we're able to get over because that was breathtaking and Paul Canark really proved, along with John Kindly, really worked their uh, magic act yesterday. Being honest, and that Kyle Hayes goal is that one of the best or greatest solo goal of all time? I won't lie to you. I actually missed it, and I, uh, oh, I, yeah, I, and I missed it on Sunday. I was out for dinner with a couple of friends last night, and I missed it. So I actually have to watch back the Sunday game now later on today. Uh, I missed yeah, it. Well, basically, Hon- he got the ball in his own forty-five, and he ran, <clears throat> ran the length of the pitch. He was being tackled. He popped the ball off the off the ground twice, and just got getting closer to the field. Just opened up in front of him, and. With a, a slick enough finish, I think his, his hurl was uh, turned upside down when he batted it into the net now. But uh, 
yeah, unreal solo goal. Definitely um, put it up on the Instagram stories. Uh, check it out anyway. I think it's all over Instagram, really, if you if, you're, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I know. Like, it was, uh, I have to watch it back. I went out to the... I actually went out to the toilet. I thought here, I know nothing's going to happen in a few minutes. And then I came in, I could see they were up. And yeah, no, I definitely check it out. Listening to the commentary or the replays of the commentary on the radio, it sounded outstanding. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, all joking aside, Limerick would have to be have to be red hot favourites for Dollar this year after the second half turnaround. And if um if you were a tip manager now, what would you be saying to the your guys after a brilliant performance in the first half? They were first every ball, they were they're hurled like madmen in the first half. And you could argue maybe that Limerick weren't going a full tilt or they just weren't up to the pitch of it. And um but then I even Lee Mashidi just des- described it as a collapse in the second half. Um so Obviously, maybe a couple of weeks to kind of get lads going and get lads motivated again, but um, must be difficult to take after such a great performance in the first half to you know, such a such a, a massive turnaround. It's got to affect those guys uh, psychologically. You think? Oh, definitely. I I mean, I was involved with a a game like that last year where we we're I think about sixteen, seventeen points up, and we only won be a pint after, and I mean that actually felt like a defeat. So, I mean, if you're to look at, say, how the tip management and players are feeling, um, they'd be dismayed. I mean, it wasn't just, say, a, a pointer that, that they lost by. It was probably about seven points or something like that. Six, seven points. Sorry, three. Yeah, about six or seven points. And, I mean, that's that's very hard to take when you're so far ahead. Now, the only thing you'd be looking at it is if you're to look at the positive side from it, they showed that they could actually muscle out play Limerick and actually hammer Limerick in the first half. And, I mean, they put into Limerick in a situation that it was an uncharacteristic performance by them in the first half. Um, Like, you'd have to be questioning how they let Limerick... Now, when a team gets on a run, it's very hard to stop. It's really hard to stop, but that's where you have to introduce fresh legs or you have to go with a plan B or something. You maybe have to deploy a couple of extra players in the back lane or something to kind of halt the, the momentum of the team. Now, in hurling, now it, it, that can be very hard because you have players that can strike over from 75 yards even so. But it, they'd have to be looking at how they let themselves get into the situation for that what, roughly about uh, 18-point reversal kind of way. So that would be the big question mark there. Um, but they'd have to look at the positive and say, here, we we gave it as hard to Limerick as anyone did. Say maybe Kilkenny would have been possibly the the last ones to do it two years ago. So they'd have to get a bit of heart from that. But um, you'd be questioning maybe leaders. You'd be looking for players to step up and say here. In other words, taking the game by the scruff of the neck, when which Limerick players did, the likes of Kyle Hayes and that, took the game by the scruff of the neck. And it's up to, it's up to the Tipperary leaders now to say here, we proved we could do it in the first half. We have to see it out. It's similar to what Kilkenny are doing this year. Kilkenny had huge leads last year against Dublin and Watford. 
they nearly lost to Dublin. They scraped home by a pint. It got caught to Watford. So it could be a situation that Watford ha- or sorry Tipperary have to change some sort is some sort of way they play because it it looks like possibly that they burnt themselves out. Yeah, fair point. Um, and speaking of Waterford, uh, they're playing Galway now next weekend. And to be fair, Galway will will definitely feel the un- underperformed against Dublin and Waterford after such a brilliant year last year. I know they didn't win win All Ireland or whatever, but they still had a brilliant year making it to the final. Um, two teams, you know, it's kind of almost a free shot for them in a sense because they've underperformed to this point, and this could be the the point where they get their season back on track. And you know, the the winners the winners of these games will fancy you know playing definitely playing Dublin in All Ireland quarter final. You know, so um, do you reckon Galway or Waterford will get their season back on track next weekend? Um, I have to fancy Galway for that. I won't lie. I I kind of see more improvement on it now. That's not taking any kind of disrespect because Leash done the same to Clare last year, and you saw what um Clare done to Exford in the next round. So I mean, um, Leash are a, a really really decent team. So I'm not saying that because uh, Leash ran Watford so close. It's just that. They don't, I mean, the injuries they have, the players they're missing now, I know they're after getting one or two back, but I see more improvement in Galway, being honest. Um, now, Watford or Watford, Liam Cal's a proud man and he he would have taken a load of positives from the, ga- the game they lost in Munster, but then against Leash as well. So, uh, if it was to bet me house on it, I, I'd love to sit on the fence, but I kind of fancy Galway, but I wouldn't be surprised if Watford pulled pulled off a slight bit of a shock there. I mean, um, the, Watford can have a habit of that to get to an All-Ireland, have a good season, and then kind of may not reach the heights the same again the following year. But personally, being a neighbour in County, I'd like to see Watford doing well um, and get a win there. But something's telling me Galway will edge that. And in the other qualifier, um, you have Clare, Clare, who feel hard done by by the Tipperary game with the penalty and the the sin bin and all that sort of stuff. And then with a good win over Wexford, they had you know decent league. Uh, Tony Kelly playing really well, shooting the lights out. Maybe not the last day. And you have Cork, who had a good league as well, and lost to a great Limerick team. So both of those, both of those teams will. Will still feel they have a great chance of going deep into the championship. Who do you reckon uh, has the edge in that game? It's a tough one, Robbie, because if you're looking at the the talent that Cork have at their disposal, and Donal O'Grady gone back in with helping out with the management team as well, you'd have to say Cork would be the the kind of the better team on paper, but. I just like the way Brian Lowen has Clare playing. I mean, Tony Kelly is an outstanding player. Aaron Shanahan, um, I mean, Shane O'Donnell there as well. But if you're to look at, say, you'd be kind of saying Cork are more stylish in a sense. Clare are more workmanlike. And that's no disrespect because that's what Brian Cody always built his teams on. It's the work rate of the players. You can be as stylish as anything, but it's the your work rate. So... I kind of fancy Clare for that. I I think Clare have a better 
way of going in. They would have been bitterly disappointed the way um, they were defeated against Tipperary. And there was a question about penalty there in that game as well. So Clare could, I mean, they bounced back brilliantly against Wexford. Um, I'd fancy Clare there. I really do. And I think I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, it'd be a, a shock in some quarters, but the way Clare are going, they might go to an All-Ireland. They could possibly, because I like the way they're playing and I like the the commitment after they lost Tantrum in the league. They never looked back since and had a good win against Kilkenny, had a good win um, in the other games. Sorry, I was trying to think Wexford in the league as well. Um, so yeah, if Claire, if Claire get over Cork this weekend, I wouldn't fancy playing them in an all earned quarter final or all earned semi final now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so in football, we're actually at the quarter final stage now after the games the weekend there, uh, with the just provincial finals to come. Um, so eight teams left. Do you reckon all other seven teams will fancy a crack at Dublin? I think realistically, Robbie, the only team that Dublin will really fear be Kerry. Um, now, they are after going back to the chase and pack a bit. They're not after reaching the heights. And, I mean, that's not surprising. I mean, when you're after losing the caliber of players, Dublin are after losing. Um, and, I mean... Yeah, you'd have to question the hunger. No matter what, the management players and everything will always say the same thing. They're hungry every year. But when you're after winning six in a row, I mean, there's not much more you can really achieve. Yeah, you can achieve the seven, you can. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd still want to bet against Dublin this year. I think it might be a year too soon for Kerry. But if Kerry done it, I wouldn't be surprised either. But... Yeah, I think I think the end may be coming near for Dublin, but I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah, well, they only got five points in the second half yesterday against Meath, and uh, <clears throat> I think in hindsight, Meath will feel that they, if they had it turned up for the first half, that they they could have uh, beaten Dublin in the end. Um, I think personally for Dublin, they need to take a leaf out of the other teams' books over the last few years and go with a more defensive approach get a lot of lads behind behind the ball because they have a lot of guys after leaving the panel, as you're saying, and injuries and stuff like that to defenders. So I think they just need to be a bit more pragmatic and accept the fact that they're not going to dominate teams like they, they have in the past. Um, like whatever about Kildare, you imagine they should be Kildare. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Kildare the way they're playing at the minute. Um, definitely in... In a semi-final or a final, they would have they'll have to um, take account of the guys they're playing against and the forwards they're playing against. Um, so I'd like to see them play a little bit more of a defensive, a little bit more of a maybe not a nice style to watch, but might be a bit more uh, better for getting a win. I think. Um, and Ulster football seems to be keeping the the football championship alive. Um, this weekend was the I think it was the top score in semi-finals uh, of all time in Ulster. And the Monaghan and Monaghan Armagh game was the, set, the joint top scoring game of all time in the Ulster Championship. So is Ulster football uh, keeping football alive at the minute? Oh, definitely, 
definitely. I won't lie. I don't like the Ulster style of football, but you have to say it's the most competitive championship. And on any given day, I mean, you look at what Cavan done last year. Um, I won't. I'm really delighted for Monaghan. Um, I don't think that game should have gone ahead with the tragedy happened Friday night, and it was just shocking what happened. And um, my thoughts go out to Monaghan supporters and especially. Uh, the family of the, the player involved in the tragic accident. Um, but, I mean, Monaghan really showed great style in that game. But great credit to Armagh. I mean, they looked they looked really down and out in that first half, but they really came back. Um, but, yeah, you have to say Ulster football's the saving grace. Now, to be fair, with Dublin coming back to the chasing pack in Leinster... Um, I mean, Wexford put up a good display meet, as you say, if they showed up in the first half yesterday, put in a good second half display. Um, so maybe maybe things aren't as bad, but um, I mean, you're still looking at, we were chatting last week about some of the heavy beatings that were being given out. Um, maybe a second tier championship, maybe a good short term solution. Um, because... As was said, I, I can't remember who said it. If you pump the resources properly into counties and where targeted where they're needed, you could see a more competitive championship down the line. But yeah, going back to your question, Ulster's the saving grace at the moment. Yeah, and we look forward to the, the uh, I was going to call them the quarterfinals, but they're, they are pretty much the provincial finals. Uh, Next weekend, Cork, Kerry and uh, Galway and Mayo should be good games. So we're going to divert a little bit from the GA action and we're going to go to our picks of the week. What are your picks this week, TJ? Yeah, um, sorry, I'm trying <coughs> to find them here, Robbie. <laughs> uh, no yeah, um, I actually started listening to a good bit of meatloaf during the past week, actually, and the Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell album. It was his sixth album released in 1993. That was the one, of course, with song I Do Anything For Love on it. Um, Yeah, I just think Meatloaf's an outstanding artist, and all the songs were written and produced by Jim Steinman. Um, And, I mean, he was just... uh, some some song composer being honest and meatloaf some singer and yeah that'd be my first pick and the second one is one i was actually meant to mention a few weeks ago if you're fond of music covers on youtube and you like the saxophone well then this next artist to be few for you would be daniela vitale he's an italian saxophonist and he does covers of all the main pop songs uh, dance music and songs going back through the decades as well so if you check out Daniele Vitelli uh, saxophonist on YouTube uh, you can get him there and it's definitely worth checking out now cool good stuff um, so do you have any more picks or like go with my ones uh, no I'm actually might mention the Camogie results later but uh, no that's all my picks this week cool uh, good stuff um, so what my picks are just kind of added to Netflix is um, maybe f- movies people have seen before, but uh, they're just going to put to Netflix is The Matrix. Um, so that could be a question, another topic. Are we living in a matrix? Maybe some, uh, some other time. Um, <clears throat> brilliant movie. Um, 
if you haven't seen it, is a much must watch. Uh, I even like the sequels. I'll be honest, being honest, I know a lot of people don't. Uh, they can be a little bit cringy, the, the sequel ones, but the 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 original movie as a standalone is is brilliant and uh, probably definitely makes it into my top ten movies of all time. Um, if I ever make that list, I'm sure it will go in there. And another one is Three Hundred, which I seen I seen in the cinema. Um, and it's probably the most pumped up I've ever been after a movie. I was like ready to run through a wall after watching it. It's just, <laughs> it's <laughs> testosterone filled action. Um, brilliant. Jared Butler and everyone is in great shape in, in the movie. And um, it would make you want to go back to the gym uh, straight away. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant movie though. Brilliantly well done. Kind of in that kind of uh, comic book sort of uh, style of, of uh, movie. The way they, they, sh- they shoot the scenes and stuff like that. And then my last one is another uh, podcast, which is with uh, three of the guys from Hardy Books um, with oh, three deadly. books left on on Instagram. But their um, their podcast is called Dead Hedgehogs. And it's a funny name for a podcast. <laughs> um, Dead Hedgehogs, you can get it on YouTube. And uh, that's uh, obviously you listen to Two Hands and a Hero podcast as well. But uh, Dead Hedgehogs um, are is really good really kind of mixed uh, similar to ourselves uh, mixed with a bit of uh, humor and and stuff like that talking about current issues and uh, yeah check it out definitely no offense to the boys from the hardy books but i just came into me had their pricks on both pricks on what <laughs> on both podcasts the dead all right, yeah. talk. <laughs> all right. <laughs> sorry so uh no i know no offense to anyone there it's a bad point. It's uh, a good one. Uh, move on to our next topic. Um, so today, July nineteenth, is Freedom Day in the UK. Freedom Day. Um, they're getting rid of all COVID restrictions. Um, I think you still have to wear masks on public transport, as far as I know. But I think everything else is uh, gone in the bin. So, and obviously in this country, in Ireland, we're taking a very cautious approach and probably one of the most cautious approaches worldwide. Um, And you could debate why and that sort of stuff. So first of all, do you think it's a good idea for the UK to open up as they're doing? And also, do you think in this country we are too slow to open things or are we going at the right pace? Are we being, you know, what did they use this phrase abundance of caution a lot? Um, so what do you think on that? What do you think about the UK and our strategy at the minute? It might sound funny with some of the rants I would have happened on here before, but I think what um, Boris Johnson's doing is lunacy. I won't lie to you. Um, it's going back to, what they kind of started doing at the very start where they were going for herd immunity and all of that which is after being proven is very hard to achieve um i think we're being ultra cautious here i won't lie i was out for a meal last night for the first time and i mean it was completely safe outdoor dining there are no reason why that should have been closed as long when things were spaced out as good and I have to give a shout out to the Glendine Inn and other businesses. I was at Glendine last night, but looking at other businesses around, it's very safe. And I mean, it looks amazing and the work they're done. But what England is doing is going from, it's basically going back to the way it was a few, uh, sorry, a couple of years ago. 
and they're forgetting about a couple of hundred thousand people that are after dying and i mean that's and i don't mean to be grim here but it's just lunacy and i it's um i understand what they're saying that they have to open up sometime if they don't now when will they but i mean when you have 80 90,000 maybe back at music festivals and you could kind of see an impact over here i won't lie and that would be um so it's it's kind of chalk and cheese robbie we're being too cautious here i mean this thing about um the here in ireland they keep kind of changing the goalposts where over in great britain there are no goalposts at all so yeah it's a tough one i think england are going too far and we're going way too slow we're going at snail's pace here yeah so it's probably you know you know two extremes really so it's hard to maybe you could you could argue that you're you know you're not happy with either you know way and be right yeah. at the same time you know? yeah. so they're probably somewhere in the middle uh but i think with a lot of these decisions in ireland and in the UK, it's very politically, um, a lot of it are, they're made, they're political decision, decisions, if you know what I mean. So, you know, why keep certain things open? Why keep certain things closed? A lot of it comes down to like lobbying groups and people putting pressure on to, to open up. Uh, for me in, in Ireland, I know like we were kind of a lot more open a lot this time last year. Um, yeah. And We've had, you know, I, I don't know if there's any vulnerable people left in Ireland to be vaccinated um, at the minute. I don't, I don't know if that's, if there is any left. Uh, we, I think we were into very uh, young age groups at the minute and we were more open last year. I know we're getting a surge in, in cases and stuff like that. Um, but it seems hard to, to pair where we were last year where a lot of things were open uh, quite freely and no one was vaccinated and now this year you'd have to say all the vulnerable people are vaccinated and we're you know very very slowly slowly uh opening up and you'd want you'd wonder are we is are we ever going to have a freedom day here or what's going to happen are we just going to stumble from variant to variant and is it just going to be an ongoing uh situation so do you think it's you know freedom day in the uk today but are you know us being really cautious, are we ever going to get a Freedom Day, you know, in the next, you know, in the next year, do you think? I think by the end of the year or very early next year, we'd be back to a good bit of normality. I say to be very small bits of restrictions once. I mean, to be fair, the vaccination program from a very, very slow, poor start is after taking on, uh, taken off phenomenally and great credit to everyone there. Um, I mean, I think an awful lot of people that would have been given out about the reopening took place at Christmas maybe could be eating a slight bit of humble pie. And I know that could be very controversial to say. But I mean, cases are after going up again. And I know the new variant is more transmissible and everything like that. But the, the link between uh, hospitalization and deaths and... Um, it is kind of broken because of vaccines. So we're in a completely different scenario. Um, I mean, if cases go up to, say, the heights that they were at the start of the year and that link is broken, well, there'd be question marks why were... 
I mean, people in hospitality would have gotten an awful lot of flack and undue criticism for staying within the rules and the guidelines around at the time. And I think they got a very um, unfair attack, being honest. Some of them, yeah, they, they broke rules and all of that, but others really stayed within guidelines. Um, going back to about Freedom Day, I, I can see it coming down along, but I think it, it will be time that the government are going to have to say, here, we're running the show here. I mean, and that's that's the most important thing. I mean, an awful lot of what would have been happening over the past couple of months is leading to a bit of hesitancy with people with the vaccines. And it, I mean, I would have never have an end doubt. I just couldn't wait to get it. I won't lie. But if you have, say, the, the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it wasn't to be given to younger people a few months ago, but now it's to be given. Now they're saying that the bars after changing because the risk is after changing. But, I mean, an awful lot of decisions that were made in the background are after, I think, slowing us down a good bit as well. And I think it'd be it would be time for maybe outside experts to adjudicate in as well because there were some great work done and deaths were kept down, thank God, and that's the most important thing. But there were some really questionable decisions brought in as well. And you look back to last year, the nine euro meal like is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of ridiculous ones. Um, speaking of uh, nine euros uh, meals and that sort of stuff, um. Irish people are spending 90 grand an hour in in Irish pubs. So is this keeping the economy going for the time being? Oh, definitely. And I mean, with everything that the, the sorry, the hospitality sector and especially the pub sector is after suffering, it's they deserve to get it back. I won't lie to you. Um, now, the one disappointing thing is there's still businesses that haven't been open so they're not getting the benefit of this yet. Now, hopefully they will from next week. There are talks that indoor hospitality will open from next week. And by everything that's after being done, I think it would be the the right decision for that to happen. But I'd love to know. I'd lo- I just wish it was one of them because I won't lie to you. I never drank as little in all my life. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, but, you no, know, it could just... be uh, could be your patriotic duty uh, to go out and drink. You know, get that number up to a hundred thousand, and you know we could be into another uh, Celtic Tiger part two. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm calorie counting at the moment, so I'm kind of trying to stay away. But I guarantee you, the the mills will be unleashed once again. <laughs> the mills will be unleashed <laughs> on the on the Bud Light though this time. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 go full, full hog on it. <laughs> so that's kind of keeping the the pub trade going. Um, any other, any other ideas you think of anything else that could uh, get our economy going in this uh, hopefully post COVID world? Um, obviously, outdoor dining is becoming a bigger thing. Do you think that's going to expand more, or you know, is it like you know the way in in concerts? Um, you have people in little pods and stuff like that. Can you see, is there other stuff like that COVID will actually bring a benefit to our economy, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I won't lie. I wouldn't have been a fan of the concept of outdoor dining um, until I went last night and I thought it was just an amazing setup. I won't lie. So that could be a, a real plus side. 
from because and then I mean I know pedestrianization of some streets is obstructive to people and all of that but it'd be great if you could have some streets close of a Saturday night that you could kind of have people outside and create a buzz now there would be an anti-social aspect to it as well but that would be up to um, their talks of say nightmares and all of that going into Dublin and all of that to govern um, so but I mean the likes of the not to revert back, but the likes of the Gulf and Mount Julid, I think that could have been expanded a bit more and it'd be a great boost to the economy around. So hopefully, like I was saying, it'd be in Kilkenny again next year, but no matter where it is. Um, the likes of outdoor concerts, I mean, I, I'd nearly rather no concert than the pods of six where you only have about 500 or that. They are, we are being very, very... Um, too much of an abundance of caution being honest i think antigen testing would help a real great deal and and you look at say concerts that took place indoors in barcelona they could be ones that could be introduced outdoors if you look at say say the castle park in kilkenny there's um the i can't think the proper name but the promenade below in watford they are places that they could kind of get people out that would be safe and um be a boost to the economy as well um i mean this this thing about say kind of vaccinated people can go but young kids can't go somewhere i i think that's the wrong message message to be sent sending especially when we're having such great weather and all that we should be promoting more stuff outside and give an opportunity if they were a chance for people to go inside in a safe environment as well. So there are opportunities there and there are opportunities that we would have gotten like spiked or dining and all that, that we wouldn't have had in pre COVID. Like, Yeah. Fair point. Uh, so do you want to go through your, uh, the Camogie Co- results and that sort of stuff? No, click anyone. We can't. Yeah. yeah I go down to him quickly. The senior championship began. The intermediate is beginning this weekend and the following weekend. Uh, Wexford defeated Limerick on a close scoreline 2-12-1-13 Watford edged out down down who came up from the intermediate ranks uh, last year were beaten by last minute by Carton free 16 points 15 Galway had a nice bit spare over Westmead 3-16-1-5 Cork edged out Dublin 2-19-12 points Tipperary had a big win over Offaly 3-23-1-12 and Kilkenny defeated Clare 22 points to 16 they were also under 16 finals took place over the weekend and it was disappointing for uh, Kilkenny as Cork edged out Kilkenny in day final 2-12 to 2-10 and for anyone that wants to check out something sorry this is a late top pick and that final was streamed on YouTube and it was a brilliant game full of skill and exciting to then so you can get that on YouTube as well thanks Robbie no worries. Uh, I've, what else do you have for the, the roundup, sports roundup? Yeah, um, Seamus Power um, from Watford got his first victory in the PGA Tour uh, yesterday evening after a six-hole playoff in the JT Preston uh, Barbasol Championship. Or Sorry, beaten JT Preston. Sorry, I can't read my own writing now. In the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky. Now, the bonus, not only he wins over 630000 for the victory there, 
but he also holds on to his tour card for two years as well in the PGA Tour, so he doesn't have to worry about that. Um, the other one is Shane Lowry is moving into the automatic qualifying places for the European Ryder Cup team after a strong showing in the Open Championship over the weekend. He finished at in 12th place uh, with rounds of 65, 69 and 69. And the winner of the Open Championship was Colin Murica of America. It was his first time in the Open and he claimed victory there. Um, yeah, I had one more, Robbie, but I can't find it here. Um, yeah, yeah, no worries. I'll go with mine there if you want to have a look for it. Um, the NBA playoffs, um, Milwaukee Bucks, they took a 3-2 lead against the Phoenix Suns. They were... 2-0 down, uh, they lost the first two games and I think there's only like something like 7% of teams or something like really, really low percentage of teams have ever you know, come back to win the series after being 2-0 down and uh, they have a chance to win the series tonight after going 3-2 up. Uh, so they were saying there's two games in Phoenix, which the Suns won, then two, eight, two games in Milwaukee, which the Bucks won, and then the next game was in... Um, in Phoenix and Milwaukee won, so they kind of took a uh, home court advantage. So, you know, it could end up going to get to seven games, but the Milwaukee Bucks had a chance to co- have come from 2-0 down to win the NBA uh, the NBA finals. Uh, so that'd be a really good story. Um, so check it out if you're not watching it. It's on a, it's on a 2 a.m. tonight, so you'll get the result tomorrow, but you can watch the, the game on YouTube tomorrow. Another one is with the Irish athletics teams at the Euro... Uh, the Euro Championships, they did quite well. Um, so the, the future is bright for Irish athletics, which is has been kind of um, on a downward spiral for a long time. But we seem to have be developing uh, good underage structures there. And uh, lastly, I just want to mention the Formula One and uh, uh, Verstappen uh, spinning out on the first lap there. He got a bit of, a, a bit of help there from Lewis Hamilton, um, which resulted in a 10-second penalty for, for Hamilton. So... Uh, what did you make of that crash, TJ? I just saw the highlights last night. I think Hamilton was very lucky with the 10-second penalty. I think it should have been a lot more, being honest, um, when it had such consequences it was. I mean, there were about 30 points in the difference leading up to that, and it's down to single figures now, I think, about eight points of a difference. Um, I think Hamilton is a very lucky boy. I won't lie, and I would kind of agree with, uh, even though I have the height of respect for what Hamilton's doing, and I mean, beating the long um, term record that Michael Schumacher would have having, but it kind of smelt of a hometown decision, I won't lie to you. Yeah, and uh, Verstappen is also uh, pretty lucky, to be fair. <laughs> that, uh... Yeah. What didn't end uh, badly for him? It's you know it's a very small margin for error in uh, Formula One with with such light vehicles and you know with such high speeds the impacts um you know good like another wearing a lot of protective gear and all but um yeah definitely you're taking your life into your hands with a F one. Just another topic I want to bring up is the uh, Jake Paul YouTuber. Uh, he's doing the rounds of fights and trying to pick fights of people and um. I think he's almost dismissed uh, McGregor as an opponent now. He's kind of he doesn't have enough uh, 
enough cachet to fight him at the minute. Uh, so Jake Paul, he's setting his sights. This is his long-term goal is to fight uh, Canelo Alvarez and uh, for the world title in three years' time. So my question to you, like uh, a lot of people are going to think that's a crazy thing to even attempt to do, but um, do you think with the right level of uh, conditioning and sports science and sport nutrition and physios and strength and conditioning coaches that you can turn, you know, basically anybody into uh, like a world champion in most sports. Do you think that's that's possible, or is it more to do with at a certain point the genetic factor or people who are elite who have the genetics and have trained for a long period of time and are really conditioned? Do you think that they will always just win out in the end, or is it possible for you know for me or you to be a world champion at some? Um, dancer, I would give it be no, Robbie. I mean, if you look at say most say GA stars or soccer stars or NBA or whatever, you're going to have just the likes of the Michael Jordans, Henry Shefflins, Ronaldo's, Messi's, all of that. You're going to have good, solid, I won't say ordinary players, but good, really good players. And then you have the exceptional ones. Um, so someone to come in, it's it's all driven by money. The likes of Jake Paul, all of that, it's money and um, I won't say power, but uh, prowess. And um, I mean, it, 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 I say it must be sick, sick making for the ones that actually really, really worked hard from, say, a really young age, building themselves up. I mean, at the end of the day, what differs and i would never know i won't lie to you i mean with me failing medals or whatever there are underage medals they're very different but i they still cherish them but they're way different to what superstars do but um it all comes from the pit of the stomach robbie it's what you have it's that drive and that that's more driven than say the likes of money i mean yeah a certain amount of successful sports stars especially if they came from a impoverished background are from poverty um yeah money would be a, a a factor but it'd be a very small factor it'd be a will and a desire to achieve some achieve greatness and being honest if i was one of the the top stars and I saw um, someone coming in with the best of everything after not having to scrape the barrel in other words I'd be very sick uh, sick I won't lie so you think there's a huge amount of character building in the people who've, who've done it for themselves uh, compared to the people you know and I don't know a lot about Jake Paul um, and he might have come through a lot of adverse adversity himself to be oh definitely Definitely. And all that sort of stuff, um, you know, possibly. But um, you know, so you, you're kind of saying for most cases, it's like the, the people who've come through the adversity, who've gotten up consistently, you know, for your 6 a.m. trainings and, you know, they had to sacrifice so much for the sport that they love um, that these people just have, have, have an edge that, you know, other people who who train who could train a lot, you know, for the next maybe couple of years, they just won't have it at the end of the day. Yeah, I know. I that'd be that'd be my exact thinking on it, Robbie. I mean, 
you have people like you look an example i mentioned them in the world sports shane lowry i mean shane lowry's working at that uh, from a really young age his parents drove him around made sacrifices done extra work to to get shane lowry where he is today and that's that you could have people with the right coaches and all of that that could come in and do that. But when you have to go to the well and you have to um, fight adversity and sacrifice things, I mean, that's why the likes of any amateur uh, athletes have to be thoroughly respected, like GEA, athletics, anything that's amateur, because they're giving up their own time and sometimes family commitments and everything to to get to the top of the game and i i agree completely with your point i don't know jake paul's background or anyone like and i would never judge like that but when you're a high profile publicized youtube star you're coming into it from a different angle yeah fair play to him if he came from um kind of a he had to work his way up that has to be respected and everything like that but he wouldn't be i wouldn't say he'd be doing it only for he is a youtube star being honest yeah so you could be doing it for the the comments and the shares and the likes and, and that sort of stuff exactly um, i think i think he could get to a good level of conditioning and like maybe the fight will happen but uh you have to think that canelo will uh batter the face off and to be fair um cool so move on to our last topic which is the highball highball Oh, <laughs> so for this week, um, obviously we're experiencing unprecedented sunshine for this lovely little island. Um, but yes, people, you know, people are complaining. They're complaining about, oh, it's too harsh and, you know, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And it just leads me to the conclusion that Irish people, they just love, they just love to comp- complain about their, their weather. Even though we've had like pretty much eight months of winter cold and wet and wind and rain and some of it was in lockdown as well and uh now we have glorious sunshine and you know all you hear is people uh complaining so do you think that we're just uh, a bunch of complainers as a nation um not as much as maybe other nations but yeah we love to moan and i won't or is it just the weather we just love having a rant about the weather specifically uh yeah I think it could be more out of awkwardness. And now, hands up speaking for myself, sometimes that you'd be chatting to people and you just wouldn't know what to say. And the most obvious topic to go to is the weather. Uh, the other one is, say, it'd be a match the night before or something like that. But yeah, definitely. I, actually, it's a gas one. I just got a Snapchat from a good friend of mine and they were giving out about the heat. So, yeah. I mean... There um, you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think well, that's not just... that's not small talk because they're they're not like in a room with you. They're just they're sending me a message specifically about the heat, like you know. So yeah, yeah, I know that's it. And um, yeah, I, I, it's a unique Irish thing. I mean, it definitely is. And I mean, mark my words, about two three days time, it's already happening. The water shortages and um, farmers saying we need a drop of rain. Yeah, well, the water shortage is the most baffling thing. <laughs> it's like, to me, it's like, you know, and I'm sure other countries, they just must laugh, like, that we have a shortage of water. Like, after, 
you know, four or five days of sunshine, you know, we have to be careful with the water. And after, like the rain, it falls from the sky is like 24 seven. I think we had like one of the wettest Mays, like in, you know, recent history. And like, and I know people will be banging on about Irish water and people can want them and blah, 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 blah. You know, but just, it's probably like systematic over the last, you know, 34 years, they haven't looked after the water system. So it's a really, it's a crazy situation that we're like, have to conserve water you know but um yeah it could just be another way to complain about how hot it is just the county council want to have their their bit of complaining as well yeah no it's like they could be a completely different tangent there but i mean it's um yeah i mean the the likes of the some of the public systems in ireland are atrocious i won't lie to you and one of the I mean, you hear about housing and all that, but I'm not going down that angle. The most funny thing, as you say, is the water. I mean, and I I just don't understand it. I I really don't. But then you hear experts saying, and um, experts from Irish Water and that saying maybe 50, 60 or even more percent of the water that's after being uh, treated is wasted through leaks. And you're wondering what has been done, but... Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the conversation. And then you have other people don't have water and all of that. But I think we're very lucky, Robbie. I won't lie. Uh, there's an awful lot of people are after being disadvantaged by uh, ill weather or that. But you look at, say, what happens in California nearly every year with the wildfires. We got some in Dublin, but thank God. There were never real any threat to life, I don't think. There were mountainous areas, and I know that can have bad consequences, but once people were safe, that's the main thing. But then you look at what happened in Germany and Belgium, and I think Austria, I heard, uh, over the weekend, the floods and that, it kind of shows that we, even though we complain about the weather and all of that, it doesn't be that awful this kind to us, thank God. And do you think that we're able to, we can handle climate change, not in like a practical sense, but as a conversation, you know, will people really know how to, like, is, is it going to be, you know, too, could it be too much for the Irish psyche to have to deal with, you know, climate change on top of everything else? Is it going to be, uh, you know, kind of burnout in, in terms of talking about the weather? It's like it's a really tough area i i won't let on that i have any knowledge of it at all i hear what's in the news and all of that and i know we have to play our part but i mean when you look at say the likes of peat moss uh, like uh, the board and ammonia uh, shutting down say the peat processing and we're importing peat from other countries that should be doing the same thing there are questions that say here are we kind of going too severe um, that yeah we have to play our part but yet we're kind of um, losing industry and that here and jobs being lost as a result so yeah we have to deal with climate change and all of that and I mean is the likes of the, the weather we're having at the moment a part of climate change it's hard to know there are experts there but being honest, I, I'm really enjoying the weather, except not being able to sleep at night. But you hope that future generations, the likes of kids or if I have kids myself in the future, that our actions now won't damage them into the future anyway. But um, 
yeah, I think we're a very, very small part in the big world. So, um, yeah, we have to play our part. But if stop playing, really? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's like a flea on a bullock. That's, I mean, that's the scale that it is at the moment. So, um, no, that's how we should all think about it. <laughs> I mean, there are experts out there and they could be saying what I'm saying is bullshit. So I, what I say there, I caveat anyway. <laughs> yeah, no uh, no scientific evidence based on anything we say ever, to be honest. No, no, definitely no. not. <laughs> Except drinking, we have good scientific knowledge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good experience <laughs> and research as well. Yeah, Fair play, exactly. TJ. Uh, good chats this week. Uh, happy days. Uh, so... Good episode. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, any of our listeners, you can uh, get in touch with us on Instagram or on Facebook. Just drop us a message. We always love uh, people getting in contact uh, from around the world, from around Ireland, uh, Inkle Kenny, it doesn't matter. We're always up for the chats. Um, good stuff. And uh, chatties again next week, guys. Well done, Teach. Yeah, pleasure, Robbie. Really enjoyed it. Fair play to you. All right. Good luck, pal. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye. Good luck. Bye, bye. Good luck. Bye. bye.